Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. Tiffany and I are so looking forward to today's episode. Why things get worse before they get better though. Does anybody ever feel like this? Because today's show we're going to be talking about Marie Kondo, recovery journey, family reconciliation, a little tidbit from Joyce Meyer. We got all the things today because <laughs> listen, sometimes you want things to get better in your life and you are looking around going, wait a minute, I'm doing a few things to make my life good and everything is getting worse. So what do we do with that, Tiffany? Have you had any experience at all with this? Yeah, I think that it is always so surprising when things get worse because we're thinking, no, we did everything right. And then life just gives us two to the chest, like straight away. (laughs) And we're like, what did I do to deserve this? And I think that, you know, especially if if you're a person of faith and depending on the terms of your salvation, you're thinking, Mm -hmm. no, I signed up for a happy go lucky, bright, and shiny life. And Where is my then, white picket fence? What right, is happening? Why, why isn't it raining gold? You know, right. like, where's my, where's my unicorn? Where's my unicorn? And then things get crazy hard. Things yeah. get crazy hard. And I would say that any major movement, this is the first thing that pops in my head, any major movement knows this, that things are going to get worse yeah. before they get better. Yeah. Things are going to hit the fan before they get better. Why? Because that's how growth happens when you push mm-hmm. through the middle, when you push through the hard parts to see what you were really after in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I would say... Uh, uh, I, this could apply to literally any area of my life why things get worse before they get better. I mean, I think one of the first things that comes to my mind, and this is just a silly little analogy, but just pregnancy. I had hyperemesis. And for all of those yeah. who had this like happy pregnancy and things were just fine and you still went to the gym and you still did yoga and you still ate normal and nothing was hard for you. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you did that. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know how you did that. And I don't know. I don't know anything about that life. That's not my life. I had hyperemesis. I was, you know, puking 17 yeah. times a day, and it was just so rough. And um, and things got real bad. And by the end of it, Ashley, I had such bad nerve pain in my back mm. that it looked like I was dragging a dead leg because I just oh, so hard to get gosh. from point A to point B. And I was the size of a cruise ship, so it was great. <laughs> it was great. A limping cruise ship. This a is limping. amazing. I'm enjoying picturing you this way. Oh, it was really, <laughs> really attractive. Um, and then just still, you know, barfing everywhere, even during mm. my C-section, just like it's puke so dripping bad. down my chin. So it was just mm. things got worse before they got better. Things got worse before they got better. And then they give you a baby and you still hope you're like, well, I hope this is going to work out. Right. And, like, I don't know if I'm going to stop throwing up, but I love you. Yeah, but I love you. <laughs> and then and then, then maybe this isn't the best analogy actually because then you're sleepless. And it's a whole new season of everything you wanted. And then you're sleepless and, and tired and emotional and hormonal and yes. all that good stuff. So maybe not great. And right. And for all our pregnant analogy, listeners, but still. we're sorry. It, it really is a good, fun process. No, it's not. Don't listen to her, you guys. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> Joking. She's we got to give the people okay. hope. You know what I mean? Don't be a hater. We just talked about this last week. <laughs> 
oh, my analogy has crashed and burned, but I'm sticking to it because that's how it was for me. That's because right. that's totally. how it was for me. Things got worse before they got better. I think of, you know, any time that I have pursued something great, I was so shocked that it got harder. I yeah. thought, oh, now I have a how plan. Surely everything's going to fall into place, right? Yeah. That's how we think. We think A plus B equals C, and that's not always the case. So I think. Uh, thing why things get worse before they get better. Number one, we grossly underestimate how hard things really are, Come on, how much time how they true. take, and the emotional, financial labor and investment that they demand. Right. And we are queens I, of false expectations. Keep Come going, on. But I yes. just had to throw that in. Oh, there. I love like that. Queens of false expectation. <laughs> so well said, Ashley. I think things also get worse before they get better is if we are looking to go against the grain or brush up against the status quo yeah i think the system that's right <laughs> that of whatever we're pushing up against yep that is keeping things status quo is going to yeah. do everything to keep us down and not really move forward and i think lastly things get worse before they get better is because staying where we are currently at is more comforting than moving out into the unknown yeah and the unknown feels like worse yes, even it though does. it's a necessary part of the journey yes. it feels in our in our we are processing it as this is hard this yeah. is worse than where i've been therefore i don't know if this is a good idea anymore however it is necessary for growth it's so good i was just in my car literally um, driving, we have an AM service and a PM service at our church. And so I was driving. Do you stay downtown all day? I go, no, I'm curious. I don't. I actually, usually I bring the kids home. Yesterday I did because we had um, a care team meeting. We were training some of our leaders after church. But then I drove the kids home. My mom watched them at nighttime and I drove back down. But Cody and I just this weekend were just thinking, man, it is so tough. Like this season that we're in, we're being stretched in all the right ways. Like we are out in the unknown. We are doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We have our hands in all the right pots for the first time ever, maybe, you know? And at the same time, we're like, this is so hard. Like, how do we prioritize our family? How do we, because that's the thing that feels like it's getting worse before it gets better is trying to manage, like, how do we keep our time together as a married couple? How do we continue to invest in our children? What do we we do on the weeks where we have you know 17 events and we've only seen our kids a very short period of time this week like how do we deal with that and so I was driving back in and thinking about exactly what you just said I was thinking man it, it was so much easier back there like I had people who were in familiar places people that I could reach out to people that were sewing into me and now I'm in this season where I'm like I don't really have any older women in my life that I can call and be like hey how do you do this how do you pastor a church and love people and be about your family and build a great marriage like how do you do this and raise little children and I just like had tears in my eyes as I was thinking man God this feels like this calling sometimes feels like it's getting worse <laughs> you know and I know wow. I know that's not the truth and this is a very vulnerable thing like we our marriage is in a good place or I wouldn't be sharing you know it's like everything's intact but at the same time it's so new that it feels stretched and it feels pulled and it's like man I thought that saying yes to all these things was just going to be like Woo! And then what I'm discovering is like, okay, Ashley, just pause. It doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. It doesn't feel like what you thought it would feel like, but it is getting better because you were doing the things that God has asked you to do. So I just had to remind and it, myself. And just like, you, yeah, yeah. And just as you said, you're in the right place and yes. it's hard, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. That's right. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Yes. It reminds me of Marie Kondo. Here we go. With, with the 
the KonMari method. Have you tried any of this stuff, Tiffany? Have you oh, gone on the craze? Oh, sister. Okay. Every, every closet in my house That's true. has been KonMari'd. Like, yes. I'm living my best life. You have here. an immaculate, like, work of art home situation. I don't even know what's <laughs> happening. Why is it magical and perfectly spotless? I don't get because it. Because I don't have stuff. There's not a right. lot to clean. That's why. <laughs> right. When people yes. walk into my house, they're like, oh, where's all your stuff? Right. I'm like, no, this is it. Go look in my closet. That's really how you are. It's just, yeah. Well, I totally did it. I know. I love that about you. I'm the opposite at home for whatever reason. But I just did the whole, like, closet clean out. And the bed was piled high full of things. I mean, it definitely, it looked like there was a, just a tornado that went through my room. And I'm, I'm like, this sorry. Is actually, did you post this on social media? You I should think have videoed I did. this. Okay, good. I think I did. I do need a video, but I can post some videos for you guys again. I mean, some photos again. But it was awesome because I got rid of so many things, but it looked horrible. Like, if you were to just walk in my room in the middle of the process, you'd be like, what is this girl doing? Why is she doing it? This is clearly making everything worse. Like, why didn't she just leave stuff where it was, where no one could see it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is the most perfect analogy for life. It is the yes. most perfect analogy for relationships relationships. It's the most perfect analogy for the soul work that has to happen because everything has to come out to the surface so we can deal with it, so that we can face it, so that we can really look at it and see what we're working with. Because when you acknowledge reality, you can move forward into the future in a healthy way. And so I felt like, oh, this is a life message. You know, everything that she does is a life message. And it was true for me in my recovery journey, you know, like dealing with an eating disorder. That was so true. When I finally decided I was um, bulimic for four years. And so when I finally decided to deal with that and I stopped binging and purging, everything got worse. Like my skin looked worse. I gained weight. I, I like had to wow. deal with all these things. You know, I just, I looked awful. Um, you know, maybe not to a natural eye, but to me, myself, I knew, but it was like me choosing to let it get worse so that I could get better. You know, it's like, I have to go through wow. this process so I can get better. And I have to trust that God is with me in this process, that he loves me just like I am, that my weight is not the sum total of who I am is not in what the scales say or what my pant size is. Like God, take me through this process of getting worse so that I can get better. <laughs> you know? So I think whatever we're trying to do at the moment, like it really will feel like it's getting worse, but that's actually the process. And Mama Joyce Meyer always says that it's going to hurt either way. So you might as well let it hurt for good. Like It's going to get ugly either way. So if you keep doing the thing that you know that you shouldn't be doing or staying in familiar places or staying in addiction or staying in a bad relationship, that's going to feel bad. So it's going to feel bad if you step out into the unknown. So why not do it, let it feel bad, but because it's pr going to produce something better in your life. And I love her for saying that. <laughs> that's so good. And it is costly, isn't it? It, it takes oh, so much out word. of us. Yes. It's so costly emotionally, mm -hmm. relationally, obviously physically, as you just shared, spiritually. Ugh. It's a, it's such a cost and one that so few of us want to pay. Come on. Therefore, we forfeit the idea or hope that anything will ever be better. Mm. Why do you think we do that? I love what you just said. I think we do that because we have counted the cost and we think, A, I'm not built for it. Mm. I don't have the resources or the strength to walk through it all, mm. or we think that it's never going to happen. We just right. give up. We think this isn't ever going to happen for me. I'm never going to get over this addiction. Yeah. I'm never going to work through this. Yeah. I'm never going to get that raise. I'm never going to get that dream job. I'm never going to be married, or yeah. I'm never going to have this, or this is never going to go right. We just give up hope, Yeah. and then we have to go back and think, no, things will get better. And we mentioned this over 
the episode that aired over MLK weekend. But this idea, I think the any major movement, and I think even just since we're in Black History Month, the Civil yeah. Rights Movement's a great example of this. Yes, they knew is. that things were going to get a lot worse before Come on. they get better. Yep. I mean, if you read Dr. King's letters from a Birmingham jail, he knew that. Ugh. That's what he was trying to convey was, I, I came here with my toothbrush and my nickel or my dime. Yep. I forget it was a nickel or a dime. To make my phone call and brush my teeth. I fully planned on getting arrested today. I yeah. fully knew that this was going to get go south before we could make greater gains. Yes, I really love thinking about movements in that way and then thinking about the opposite side of the movements like white supremacy is the thing that needed to be defeated right like right it was the the very demon and devil that needed to be defeated was this idea of white supremacy and that skin color makes somebody more worthy of rights you know and I even think mm. about lately in our culture how um, some of that stuff has resurrected I mean you think about the march at Charlottesville you know where yeah. they're literally carrying tiki torches and shouting the most obscene things that are anti-semitic and anti-everything and very much rooted in white supremacy and so you think about how um before things get better all the ugly stuff has to come out you know like no one can deny that things like racism and sexism exist in our culture because we have been so whether it's the digital age that did this or our our current political climate whatever it is that raised these issues to the surface they needed to come out because darkness must be exposed to the light to be healed and so i think that's part of what the civil rights movement did was just go hey We know this exists. Every person of color in America is clearly aware. And what they did was push it to the surface where white people could no longer deny that the issues mattered, that it was happening to people. And just because things aren't happening to us doesn't mean they're not happening. And so it was huge to be able to go, hey, look at it. Look it in the face. Is this who we are? Is this who we want to be as human beings? And so I feel like even now, that is a journey that we're on, where we're looking at stuff and going, is this who we want to be? Like, no thank you. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. no thank you. And so I am appreciative when I see things start to come to the light, even though it can feel offensive and hurtful and painful and to acknowledge who we really are as humans, you know, when you really have to look at that stuff. But what's great about it is it's here and then it can yeah. be dealt with. Like, okay, let's figure this out because this is not okay anymore. Absolutely. And there's a long way to go on an issue like we're talking about. And I just want to yeah. go down that road a little more. I am yeah. listening to the audiobook speaking, Learning to Speak God from Scratch by Jonathan Merritt. Yeah. And in it, he talks about Dr. King and he talks about uh, leaders of movements. And, you know, even he, I'll, I'll go back to the Dr. King thing in a minute, but he talked about even William Tyndale, who yeah. was the first to translate the Bible and or print the Bible man I'm really butchering that but you'll you'll read the book people read the book (laughs) but anyway William Tyndale you look on the spine of countless Bibles and it's produced by Tyndale right but he was uh accused of heresy and he was spent the remainder like the last years of his life on house arrest for some of his claims that were all true and commonplace now today. So crazy stuff. And then he moved on to talk about Dr. King in that same portion and saying, you know, we killed Dr. King because we believed he was a heretic. Right. We believed he was a heretic, that he was speaking heresy, that people of color and those with creamy white skin were equal. And and he was trying to explain that we created these constructs. We Mm -hmm. created all of this. And we can also be the one who brings light and justice and hope and freedom and grace and yes. equality. So it was just this interesting idea where we have to take a look and things. Why did 
why do we want this? What's ahead? Mm-hmm. Is it worth it? Mm-hmm. And are we willing to walk this out? Because get ready. It's going to get really hard. Come on. It's going to get really hard. Yes. One of the things that I'm, I think makes it so hard is the roller coaster effect. You know, like you think that things, you think that progress is a straight line and progress so much is ups and downs and plateaus and then ups and downs and plateaus. And even if you're, if you like fitness, you know, it's the same thing. You have to figure out a way once you've plateaued at a certain level in your athletic ability, then you have to figure out like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to introduce um, a new method. I need to introduce a new way to keep myself motivated, to keep going, to keep going for progress. And I think that's true to keeping hope. What you spoke to earlier is that we have to find ways to endure. We have to find ways to persevere when you get into that messy middle and things are up and down and not perfect. And it would be easier to go back to the straight line of familiarity or the straight line of comfort. We have to remind ourselves again, no, this progress is good. These ups and downs are good. They are producing something that will yield the result I have been praying for, the result I have been believing God for. And we have to find a way to endure and keep hope in the messy middle and in that process, the roller coaster effect of life. Absolutely. And as we walk through that messy middle and as we cling to hope, yeah. learn all the lessons we can, yes. receive all the intel available, yeah. really Love soak that. it up because there's so <laughs> much in that middle where things are just truly awful yeah. that you can learn from. And there's so much strength to be gained, isn't there, Ashley? There's, yep. You become the person that can handle the good thing on the other end yes. when you're in that middle. You become a person of resolve and resilience and grit and conviction that perhaps you weren't Mm -hmm. before. Yes, that's what perseverance produces in us, right? Our capacity to stay, our capacity to be faithful to the progress and to the process. Um, I also wanted to speak to when you're praying for others. Um, Joyce Meyer, I know I'm quoting her a lot on this, but I really do love her her material just on staying when it's getting worse so that it can get better. But she talks about when you pray for family members who you want to get better and they start to get worse. Then she's like, then you know God's moving. (laughs) (laughs) But but it really, it does help when you're praying for someone in your family or you're praying for someone that you love who's in need of recovery. And you're like, why are they getting worse? And it could be because everything's getting pushed out. And so trusting and believing in the process and not fully abandoning people that you're like, wait, the behavior's getting worse, I'm leaving. And sometimes, obviously, we have lots of, you know, episodes on boundaries. Tiffany and I are huge on that, like leaving unhealthy situations, getting out of unsafe spaces. But there are those times where you're not called to leave, you know, where it's like a family member or a dear person that you love or a great friend who's going through a really hard thing. And we, as people who are praying and believing with them or standing beside them in solidarity, trusting the process and allowing things to get messy for them and things to get ugly for them and us being a faithful friend, a true person in their life who's going to stay I think that's another really important piece of this is that others are messy too. (laughs) It's not just us. And we all have to figure out how to live together in community and stand together in solidarity. I like that. Let's elaborate on how this shapes our faith. You kind of touched on that of when you see a friend or a family member, you're praying for them and then they get worse. Like to to be able to say, okay, God's still at work here. God is still working. And I think for so many of us, when things get worse on the road to – resurrection or wholeness or health or quote-unquote better, I think that we really have to lean into the dark and we really have to withhold feeling like God has forgotten us. I think that in those moments you think, this is so awful. Lord, where are you? 
Where yeah, are on. you? Yeah. And it was it was he, he died on a Friday. He didn't raise till a Sunday. Like <laughs> he didn't rise till a Sunday, right. man. Like he it was it was a lot of time in yeah. between. Yeah. And it was that was where a heavy, heavy, heavy days in between. That Saturday I can't even imagine. Mm-mm. I can't even imagine. And sadly in the evangelical Western church, we kind of skip over Good Friday. Yeah. I think maybe in the last ten years it's more popular to highlight Good Friday, but he did not rise on Good Friday. We can't say that. Yeah, we can't say right. that. We need to embrace what happened on Friday. Embrace yeah. the silence of Saturday. Yeah. And really find out who is God right now to me. What mm. part of his character am I discovering in the quote unquote worst part? Mm. <laughs> you know, on that journey in the messy middle as you called it. Like who is God right yeah. there? What is his nature that I am learning about that I did not know previously? Yeah. I think that there's so much to soak up in that, and there's so much to learn. You know, you think there's so many chapters and entire books of the Bible that focus on lament, yeah, that focus on. on loss and grief yes. and the state of the human spirit yeah. while it's in despair. I think that there's so much to be soaked up and learn about who God is and how he draws near in those tiring even horrific times, when, yeah. you know, if we go back and look at the civil rights movement or how you're saying when you were pursuing health through your eating disorder, I yeah. can't imagine how hard that was. Or, I, you know, I think of friends who have worked through drug addiction and yeah. the, the times when they wanted so badly to go back to what they knew and what they craved yeah. and to push through the middle and what that cost them. I think that's a, that is true. I mean, the messy middle, what a good... What a good description because it really is so demanding and so, so hard. And the honest truth is you don't know how long that's going to last. Come on. That's the thing. That is exactly what makes it so tough. I think one of the things that I've learned in that messy middle place, one of the the greatest gifts and the most beautiful treasure God has given me is the ministry of presence where Mm. it's he's just with me. And he doesn't promise me anything. You know, um, God has promises in his word, of course. But in that moment, he's not saying to me, hey, this is all going to end in 60 days and you're going to be fine. Like, that's not what he gives me. He gives me comfort. He gives me peace. He gives me his presence and he helps me. You know, he is an infinite God and he helps me understand through my finite mind that the end goal is not a time or a moment, but the end goal is is being with him and being whole. And so however long that takes and however long it's going to, whatever it will require of me, my answer is yes. And I feel like that's what it has given me. And then because God has personally ministered to me that way, it's much easier for me in my personal life and in my pastoral life to give people the ministry of presence where I know someone coming in who's like, you know, um, six months out of an addiction or one year out of an addiction and they are struggling with issues that I know on a very personal deep level, it doesn't bother me that they're going up and down in their recovery. I'm not bothered that they had a relapse because my goal is not to give them advice or fix them or change them. My goal is to be with them. They are on their process with God. It will take as long as it takes. God's going to do what he's going to do. We got to let it be what it's going to be. Yeah. And I think you learn that in those difficult seasons with God where 
the answers are not easy and where the outcome is not perfect, you learn how to be with God and in turn we learn how to be with others. And that's been the greatest gift and the joy of my life is the ministry of presence because there are no answers. Actually, <laughs> like none. There aren't answers. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I think I think you really ministered to a lot of people with that. And I think the thing that comes to my mind is thinking of how in the faith community, we want you to get over it. We want you to work through your thing and get over it as quickly as possible. And I think that so few of us are willing to wait and pursue the ministry of presence and be available to people because we think, oh, you need to get over this faster or you need to move on to this. We don't welcome the worst parts. Yeah. And so what do people do? They step away from the faith or they hide it or they choose unhealthy coping mechanisms. And I think that if more of us committed to the ministry of presence, I think what would this world look like if we were willing to walk with people and withhold judgment Yeah, that's it. when they hit a speed bump Mm -hmm. or when they, you know, dive off the cliff, whatever the case may be. Yes. If we were willing to be present. I love that. And and not – and even in them, they may fear that we will judge them and right. consistently showing up and saying, there's no judgment here. There's no judgment here. Ugh. There's love here. It's so powerful. Brian Stevenson, um, who's the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, talks about, he asked this question, why are we so afraid of broken people? And he's making the case for, why are we so afraid of broken people? We're all broken people. And so we need to be in proximity to brokenness at all times, not only because we have it, but because people need that. And so I don't think we need to be afraid of brokenness or when people are not perfect or when they come in messy and things aren't super tidy. It's like if we were really honest, you know, we might look great. Our clothes might look awesome. We might have these really great heels we just bought. Like that's fabulous. Big earrings. I love it all. It's lovely. And at the same time, our soul can be a mess as well. So I wonder if we could grow in suspending judgment, like you said, and and allowing brokenness to be okay and being comfortable with our own brokenness so that we can be comfortable with others' brokenness. It would change this world world people would be attracted i think to god <laughs> and to the community yeah. of faith because that's that's something we need desperately that's beautiful i want to circle back to my william tyndale comment please he did not i just looked it up while we were chatting because i'm like oh i feel like i just left that out and didn't have facts so i'm just going to circle back and say he is credited with being the first to translate Hebrew and Greek texts of the Bible into English. So mm. that's, I said published, but no, he to translated. Trans- there yeah. we go. And now obviously Tyndale Publishers, that's where I got that. So there you are. Yes. And lastly, I want to say this, even on Sunday morning, there was still the scars of the nails in yeah, Jesus' hand. There was still the scars. There was still evidence yep. of the darkness. There was yeah. still evidence of all that he walked through. He didn't hide those. Don't you think it's interesting that those of everything that he, his whole body endured, we see, hmm. we're told <laughs> uh, of the marks on his hands. I think that that's something to remember. So powerful. And yeah. how, how much power was in that mark? How much power is in that scar? And what a powerful picture you just painted of how much power is in our own scars and the things that we carry, the, the power of a story that we have and the power of others' stories to impact our lives. Like there's so much power in that. 
Absolutely. And it's always worth it. Yeah, it is. To go after what's ahead and to work through the messy middle. Yes. Because things may get worse before they get better. Yeah. But it doesn't mean it's not worth it. It's always worth it. Well, listeners, thanks for joining in. Today's episode was inspired by my newest book, She Dreams, available wherever books are sold. And it isn't this self-help, like, you can do this. You can determine your destiny. Go and dream. No, it's much more than that. It's all about what it means to partner with the divine as you walk in what you believe you are called, gifted, skilled to do and understanding that's going to cost you much and how you can walk that out. So I encourage you to check it out, shedreamsbook.com. We'll have the link in the show notes and we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.